0: Cause yeah, we do need copper, but I have yet to see besides my birth control clients women on birth control are the most depleted mm-hmm. I have ever seen worse than the people who have cancer that I've looked at. Yeah. Um, so I think that needs to be for every single human, no matter what your gender is and no matter what your goals are, because again, I said, that's what makes your cells work. And when your cells work, your tissues can form correctly. And then when your tissues form correctly, your organs will work correctly. And then, you know, that just ricochets through your entire body.
1: Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com, but for now, here is today's episode. All right, hello my friends and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show, episode number 294 of the Health Detective Podcast. Um really crazy, six away from 300, which is awesome, and we're going to be talking about how to have a healthy baby today. And I was uh joking with our guest today beforehand because I'm like, you know, it's kind of a simple title I chose it, but I thought it was a simple title, but just Judging by the fact that there's already 10 of you in 30 seconds into this uh, live with us, I'm guessing you want to know how to have a healthy baby. And so we'll be talking about um, both aspects, right? What do you do when you are creating the baby. Let's put it that way. What can you do to help with that? And then what do we do once this baby is already here? Um, and we got to work through that. So there's a lot of different things here. Very excited for it. Um, I'm going to read our guest's bio and then we will get into it. So Leah Blondin is a former trial and error queen turned strategic health detective. She focuses on working with busy work from, or, uh, busy work from home women and moms to be who want to best support their future babies and have optimal pregnancies and fantastic postpartum experiences. She was told. Told her gut problems, anxiety, and depression were all in her head until she became a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner in 2017 and was finally able to get the bio-individual answers she needed to heal and stay well long-term. She is passionate about smart, strategic supplementation and knowing exactly what you need and why you need it based off data and the scientific method. Leah is married with two children, ages two and five, both of whom were born at home and have uh, thrived health-wise because of the knowledge from her FDNP training. Well, hello, my friend. Welcome to the show.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me.
1: It was awesome. We got to hang out together in the wonderful wild town of Boise, Idaho, back in May. Uh, We were there for the CellCore conference, and that was like a freaking record for FDNs in one place, other than the FDN conference itself. We uh, did those a few years ago before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, We were counting a lot of the times, and we got to like 35 or 40 FDNs out of the 600 attendees. I'm not counting vendors, but there were 600 attendees roughly, and like 40 of them were FDNs. It was ridiculous. So um, it was cool to get connected there. Now, how we start the show is always very similar. Obviously, we'll still dive into the topic of the day pretty soon. But I'm curious because your bio mentioned the gut problems and other stuff that you've dealt with. So what did your health symptoms look like? And when did they begin for you?
0: Well, it really started when I was very little. I remember in first grade, second grade, third grade, every Valentine's Day, I would have to miss school. I was just so <laughs> sick. I'd be sick for for weeks on end. I would have someone bring over three weeks of homework for me to do and just I couldn't it was, it was terrible. Um, so it restarted very, very young and it was just the common, Oh, you know, strep throat, oh strep throat again, you know, Oh, this time we don't really know what it is. And it's just like these reoccurring infections that, you know, I've got some Z packs and lots of antibiotics for, and like, Oh, they just kept happening. Um, so it really started very young and it got better as I got a little bit older. And then when I hit puberty, I remember I was 13 and I was driving with my mom in the car and I was like, mom, I feel sad. I feel sad for no reason. I I don't have any reason to be sad, but this is how I feel. And I remember her taking me to like the equivalent of Whole Foods. That wasn't a thing back then. But we went to another health food store and she's like, well, St. John's wort, you know, like she had some natural minded knowledge and used some essential oils and stuff and I remember telling her that in the St. John's work didn't work, that that wasn't what I needed. Now that I've been able to test my methylation pathways and really know exactly what I did need to help with my depression, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't know was depression at the time, but it started around puberty and it just kept following me. There was lots of reincurring infections through high school. I still struggled with depression, struggled with anxiety. Um, at 19, I was been I was put on Lexapro for anxiety, which just completely numbed me. Uh, I didn't last very long on that because I missed thinking and I missed being a human being and being creative. And um, so I went to school for interior design, actually, and got so sick during school. Um, I was in San Diego at the time, living downtown in a very moldy apartment, which I didn't know was bad at, in, at the time. And I just tanked. I ended up having to, I quit college. It was my last year. I took a year off of college. I quit my dream job, which at the time I was a kitchen and bath designer. That's the field I wanted to be in. I had a wonderful job. I had to leave the job because I remember my brain. I'm like, I couldn't remember how to like move a mouse on the computer. Like My brain was not talking to the rest of my body to get the work I needed done. So I exhausted all of the mainstream medical routes, went to the best hospitals, the best GI doctors in San Diego. They just wanted to put me on some more meds. I was like, this isn't going to work. I know this isn't, I'm, I'm not deficient in an IBS med. Like, and luckily my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, was getting into podcasts and found Sean Croxton. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I binged Sean Croxton's, podcast at that time. Um, and I started learning about the functional lab work and, uh, Krista Arecchio and some of like the really early FDNs. And once I found the functional labs, I had all these answers that I was first, I was told for literally my entire life. That's just the way you are. It's just your brain chemistry. It's, we don't really know. Like everybody's just depressed. Sorry, here's a med. And with the functional labs, it was like, Wow, here's all these answers to why I'm experiencing these things. And then, literally, within a matter of months, all my cystic acne was going away. My gut function was better. I was pooping more because I thought it was normal to poop once a week. Really, not normal. But right? It, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, everything started to get better. And I was just like, wow, I cannot believe I have struggled my entire life with these things with nobody giving me a single answer. And, like, you know, a handful of labs and and a personalized protocol completely changed my life. I did end up graduating from college with that degree, but I never went into that field. I became an FDN. I went and opened a yoga and Pilates studio. I like devoted my life to health and to helping people get healthier. Um, And that's where it's led me today. That's what I'm still doing. And I'm so happy to say that I have no more signs of depression. Um, And obviously life isn't perfect. And sometimes I'm sad for sure. But I am not chronically laying in bed for 20 hours a day, crying my eyes out for no reason. So completely changed my life.
1: Yeah. Wow. This is awesome. I'm so glad to hear this transformation. We got 22 people on live as well. Uh, So just so you guys know, if you're on live, I I should invite you guys to do this more. Um, If you have questions as we go along, please feel free to ask them in the chat. Um, We're going to do the normal podcast format for most of this, but if we get towards the end and you know I'm stuck and I can't think of something to say, then I will definitely go to your guys' questions. So please feel free to ask away or just give some encouraging words. Thanks for tuning in with us. So with that said, you kind of already answered my next question, which is great. I always like to ask... what is this aha moment for people? How do we transition from this stuff? And so uh, thank God he was listening to these podcasts. I am, I'm curious if you even know this back then. I mean, he must have, your boyfriend at the time, that is, must have been at least somewhat interested in health, right? Because how right. else would he have found Sean Crocs and he stuff, I guess
0: He was certified in like the functional medicine or... um Um, some kind of personal fitness that looks at the way that you're walking and your gait, And so he had been trained in that, but he was also the first one I was on birth control when I met him. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he's like, well, did you know being on birth control changes your pheromones to where you are actually attracted to the wrong people? So I'd like you to get off birth control. (laughs) I was like, okay, let me look this up. He was totally right, totally legit. And luckily I did um, because our pheromones matched wonderfully. We actually met on match.com. So um, super crazy and random and our pheromones were great for each other. And now we're 10 years later still going through this. So I'm very grateful that he was very forward thinking and very in the mindset of like, we can't settle. Like I was literally only 21 years old. Like mm-hmm. my life was supposed to get be getting started And it was, it felt like it was done at that point. So, uh, yeah, he's the one that totally changed my mindset and got me on this path.
1: Yeah. I was, I was laughing, not at what you were saying, but I was laughing because, and she would be totally okay with me saying this. My fiance and I also met on a app, right? That's how we, and not like, um it was like a Myers-Briggs app. So it's like the nerdiest dating app that you could possibly do. But it was cool. And then she was on an IUD and I know that the studies are not as clear on the IUDs versus birth control because uh, for those that don't know and are listening or watching, what you just said is 100% true. They've done these studies. It's kind of gross, but they actually showed that like when women would smell these more or less sweaty t-shirts, um, from men after they worked out. And if they weren't on birth control, they would actually find the smells most attractive of the men that they had the most uh, genetic diversity with, Mm -hmm. which would make safer offspring and better immune systems. And the birth control actually screws that up. And so it's very interesting, especially when we look at like divorce rates and all this stuff. And then, I mean, every woman gets put on these things. I'm like, okay, obviously that is not the sole reason for divorce, but I'm kind of wondering how many people go through this where they think their partner's perfect for them. They Mm -hmm. eventually get off when they're trying to have kids and then they realize, Mm -hmm. this isn't my person. Um, So I'm like, (laughs) yeah, Maddie, just do me a favor. Like, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but just if we look into this IUD stuff together, here's a book I gave her Jolene Brighton, right? (laughs) I'm like, just read this Mm -hmm. stuff. Um, And then we see if this is still working afterwards and and thank God I'm still here. So that's that's working okay. So with this said, um, you know, we're talking about dating. Eventually dating leads to mating and that leads to babies and we're trying to keep them healthy. So how did you develop this passion for helping the fertility side of things? Because, um, you know, I know it's one thing to go through our own health experiences. It seems very natural that the next step would be, okay, if I'm trying to become a mom, I'd want to apply it there. Uh, mm-hmm. may I ask, is this something that you, did you struggle with this at all? Or is it just something that you wanted to make sure I don't want to mess this up. I know about the health stuff. I want to make sure I have healthy pregnancy.
0: Well, I got certified with FDN in 2017 and I had my daughter in 2018. So I was doing all of the traditional FDN work that is taught in the course and preparing in that sense. Um, But there was still obviously the course is just so much information. There's plenty of other information out there that's not discussed in the course that comes from continuing education and um, and all of that stuff I really neglected to really think Postpartum wise and pregnancy wise, just because I thought, oh, well, I'm just doing all the general stuff. Like I know my hormones are good. We had no problem getting pregnant. We got pregnant the first time with both of our children, um, and have been able to prevent pregnancy without birth control for all of for 10 years. Um, but it was going through the postpartum period that triggered my depression and my anxiety again. And I felt like I was back at square one. Mm -hmm. And obviously, with a newborn, you are completely depleted and you're tired and you're, there's all this new stuff going on. And I just thought it was those things. Um, and I kind of got a little bit better. I was managing, had my yoga studio at the time and I was very busy. And then when I got pregnant with my second one, it all got worse. And I was like, what? why, why, you know, I had really worked on the depression and anxiety stuff and really had lowered those symptoms, but why is it all coming back now? And that is what just completely exploded my mind open and the research that I was doing in the specific postpartum realm to how do we prevent this? What is it actually biochemically that's going on that's causing postpartum depression and anxiety? And obviously I don't want my children to ever experience those things. So I'm very forward thinking and like, well, I don't want my kids to experience. I need to know the answers so I can help them if this comes up. And now that I know, looking back when i started puberty and my hormones started changing and i started to become depressed and anxious those were all signs that i would also go through postpartum depression and anxiety because those major hormonal surges um the, the rise in estrogen specifically will raise copper and in pregnancy your levels of copper naturally double Um, just because the baby needs copper to create blood vessels and to grow the entire like circulatory system. So it's really important. So your body naturally doubles. And if you don't have the proper, um, elimination pathways that are open to excrete that excess copper postpartum, after you birth the baby, within 24 hours, your copper level should go back down. But if you don't have the ability to do that, it's going to keep being recirculated in your body. And it eventually shunts up to your brain and causes depression and anxiety. Um, It drops your dopamine and raises your norepinephrine, which causes the anxiety so it took a long time for me to find out this information there's not a lot of people that were talking about it in the realm of postpartum um, and even like pms wise um so that was the the thing that really kind of like um like the needle in the haystack answered all of my questions as to what was going on with myself and my brain, um, and even my children, because if you want to talk about having a healthy baby, it's going to start with having a healthy mom, because the mother is going to pass on the gut infections, the mother's going to pass on any overloads of nutrients like copper, she's going to pass on the deficiencies in vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants, all of those things at appropriate levels, not too much, not too little, it's really like a Goldilocks thing. Um that, that is how we prepare for a healthy baby.
1: Um, when we, it's, it's really, it's a tough subject obviously, but it's also very interesting because when we look at the rates of infertility and all this stuff's going on, it's, it's become normalized by the lay person. And I don't mean lay is in a condescending way. I just mean, they're not interested in functional medicine uh, Mm -hmm. yet. Right. We'll get them there, but not quite yet. And so they don't think about this. It's thrown around all the time. Like, Oh yeah, we're having an issue. We're going to go do this. And, and, uh, And I pause with that. And guess what? It does happen to men, too. So it's not just yes, the woman needs to be super healthy for the pregnancy, obviously. But the infertility side is both a male and female issue for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, But the thing that we don't think about is, wow, we have like, you know, people in their late 20s sometimes or mid 20s that are struggling with infertility. Mm-hmm. What we need to think about is how is that even happening? Like this is, other than breathing, this is about the most natural thing that you can go do as a human right. being while you're here. Um, and I'm a spiritual person. I believe that we have bigger purposes than procreation, but biologically speaking, it's one of the core points of being on this earth. Yeah. And so when we say this isn't working at an age that it should be working totally fine, right. I-, I wish more people you know, thought a step deeper with that, even if they weren't interested in what we are and just said, why would it be that in my mid twenties, I can't do one of the most natural things that I should be able to do right now. Is mm-hmm. it possible that something has, has gone awry? So yeah, I mean, as nerdy as we get on this show, just also remember this guys, like we have to lay this out for people and we do this out of a place of love. We don't do it out of judgment. Cause I remember I actually said this thought to a friend years ago um, and she almost took offense to it unintentionally. It's, it's not, I meant to offend anyone. It's really to open your mind and to solve it, to empower people to think, okay, I should be able to do this. I can't. Is there anything that I can do to change this? And obviously there is. We can empower Mm -hmm. ourselves with information. So with that said, knowing what you know now... How would you help someone or how do you help people rather uh, prepare? Like, let's say, you know, I'm with my partner. I know that we want to have kids. We're not actively trying per se, but I want to, you know, check on lab tests. I want to look at stuff to make sure I have the highest rate of success um, mm-hmm. for our kid. What would you be looking at um, beforehand?
0: Well, the things, same things I already mentioned is the gut infections. You know, you don't want to pass parasites down onto your newborn baby or, you know, a bacterial infection because, You know, I think a lot of those, at least what I see with adults is certain bacteria are the what like cause pneumonia, for example. So if you want to prevent pneumonia, but you have high levels of that bacteria in your gut, well, let's do something about that, you know, and and that goes for children as well. Um, So looking at the gut infections, doing a full blood work panel, understanding what your immune system is doing. Um, What I start with with every single client is micronutrients, um, because micronutrients are what need to be balanced in order to have balanced hormones in order to have optimal gut function in order to have good neurotransmitter function like for every single thing in the body like down to a cellular level your cells are what build your organs and your organ system so if the cells aren't working well and they don't have enough vitamins minerals amino acids and antioxidants Why would you expect your organ function to be good if your cells aren't even functioning at all? Um, So that's where I start minimum. I won't even allow people to detox without appropriate levels of micronutrients because then you're just going to have to do another one because your cells aren't working. How are you expecting to detox? Well, if your cells aren't detoxing themselves, Um, so just, just getting that full viewpoint of what are the cells doing? Okay. Now what are the organ systems doing? And then we can create a custom blueprint on, on where to go. And I think a lot of the time, most people are like just focusing on deficiencies. That's, you know, Oh, we just need more and more supplements and we need more of this food and more of this, but I have found that really, it comes down to what do we need to remove? Like a lot of time, we don't have to add in a whole bunch more stuff because I had way too much copper. And that actually came from the very um, dangerous recommendation of take beef liver while you're pregnant. It's a nature's multivitamin. It's not, it's toxic. And you need to be running certain lab work to know if you need that or not. Not everybody needs that. It's not healthy for everybody. And that completely overloaded my system personally um, and just kept me in that hamster wheel of sadness and anxiety. And that offloads to your offspring. (laughs) So um, I've actually ran my daughter's blood work when she was three years old. We did a comprehensive panel and hers mimicked mine exactly, down to the vitamin D levels, down to what my white blood cells were doing. So, and that was three years after she was born still. So I'm just like, well, if I was deficient in all of these things, or if I was overloaded in all of these things, she is too. And actually I've been starting to run my protocols on her and see some amazing changes in... And what she's experiencing, and and her symptoms, um, because they really mimicked my own, and I blamed myself. You know, it was it was really it's really hard to watch your child be just like you. It's literally like a mirror, and I just want to prevent that for other women. So just you have to have the data in order to make smart decisions. I always say you can't manage what you don't measure. Mm-hmm. If you have no idea what your copper levels are, how do you know you need beef liver, which is nine times higher in a daily amount of copper needed. Like, do we all need that? I don't know. Everyone's a little bit different.
1: Well said. This is why I love this show because we just had someone on recently, you know, talking about the benefits of it and it's, there's always a fine line. Um, you know, it certainly is better than a lot of things, but that's a really, that's a fair point. Um, not to mention in theory, if you ate enough liver and it's, it's more than is practical, but it's not nearly as much as people would think. Um, there are certain people that could actually get vitamin A toxicity um, oh, yeah. from that eventually. Like you, That's a really serious condition. Um, so... <laughs> It's kind of crazy that a food in theory could even do that. So with that said, I I know that obviously you work with women, but I'm curious, do you give them any advice? Like if you know that they're attempting to conceive, is there any advice that you give them to talk to the males in their life and get like certain things checked? I mean, I would assume we'd want testosterone to be good. Zinc could be important, but I'm coming at it from a pretty elementary level. So is there other things that you like them to check? Like, should we be looking at the same stuff?
0: Yeah, I I would say it's the same stuff for sure. Um yeah, the micronutrients are number one at minimum, I think every human on the planet. And this is not a HTMA. This is not a HTMA. This is um, full micronutrients. So HTMA is just looking at the minerals. um, And it's really not even that accurate for for this topic of postpartum and repletion and too much of a good thing. Because yeah, we do need copper. But I have yet to see Besides my birth control clients, women on birth control are the most depleted mm-hmm. I have ever seen, worse than the people who have cancer that I've looked at. Wow. Um, so I think that needs to be for every single human, no matter what your gender is, and no matter what your goals are, because again, I said that's what makes your cells work, and when your cells work, your tissues can form correctly, and then when your tissues form correctly, your organs will work correctly, and then you know that just ricochets through your entire body
1: one of the most profound initial shifts, like sometimes we get so complicated with stuff, which I kind of love, but at the same time, like one of the most profound initial shifts I ever had in my health was I wasn't trying to be healthy per se. It was kind of a whole separate thing I was doing at the time, but I was taking this high potency multivitamin and, you know, I started noticing changes in my mood, changes in my skin, changes in my gut. And it's like, we can get complicated, and starting with some foundational things actually matters. If we don't Absolutely. have the basic nutrients that we need to survive and thrive, mm-hmm. um, you can spend all the money on lab tests and all this fancy stuff, but you're you're missing the point. You gotta have these foundational things down. So I love that. And then yeah. specifically here, we had an audience question or an audience question say, what labs then do you run first? Do you have a set system, or does it kind of shift client to client?
0: Um, I mean, it definitely shifts client to client, um, but my, my starting base point definitely includes that full micronutrient panel. So that's looking at vitamins, minerals, amino acids, antioxidants, and that looks at those levels over the past four to six months of time inside your cell. So standard blood work that you'd go with, get with a doctor is a screenshot in time at this moment, what is floating around and being transported in your blood in this moment. It isn't, And that's external, outside of your cell. So Mm -hmm. in order for these minerals and vitamins to work and for your body to function, they need to be transported through the cell membrane inside the cell to do their job. That's where they do their job. So it doesn't really matter. This this also goes for hormones. Uh, When we're talking about having adequate hormones, I see all the time people will come to me and they'll say, oh, I had my blood work done. My doctor, my hormones are fine. And then we run a different type of hormone panel using urine and looking at the metabolites, and it does not reflect what just showed up on their blood work. So what is in your blood right now does not reflect how your body is utilizing that. Um, so I think that is really important. We need to look inside the cell. We need to look outside the cell. We need to look at the organs that are important to those micronutrients, um, to really get a full picture and not just, you know, most of it's just putting blinders on saying, oh yeah, your blood work, your blood works good. And it's like, well, is our body utilizing those Mm -hmm. or is it just You know, like me with the copper, it wasn't utilizing the copper. It was bio unavailable to my body. Um, And so it was just going to my brain and going to my liver instead of doing its job.
1: Um, What what lab is, I'm sorry if I missed it. What lab are you using for the? I
0: I prefer the spectrocell micronutrient. um, And that also looks at, um, it gives you a chart of your methylation Mm -hmm. um, and how you are methylating. So I think talking pregnancy and baby wise, there's so much talk about the MTHFR gene mutation, the SNP. And, but nobody's actually looking at how is that functionally working in your body? And that's what we can actually see because um, I just had, um, she was like 20 weeks pregnant, ran the micronutrient. she was like, oh, well, I know I have, I have the MTHFR SNP, but she had adequate folate the, the cycle of that methylation process was solid. Like she, and it literally gives you this beautiful graph and, um, she was solid, but there were some other areas that are a little less, um, traditional, I guess you would say when it comes to prenatal, like a lot of the recommendations are, oh yeah, inositol is really great for making sure you have progesterone. But like, there's lots of different things mm-hmm. that we need to make sure you have at adequate levels, not too much, not too little to have a healthy baby. And so if we had just gone off of what is talked about as popular in the preconception phase, we would have missed all the important stuff that was actually important to her. Mm-hmm. And she really didn't need to load up on tons of folate because her body was assimilating it from the nutrients in her diet adequately. Yeah. Um, so the SpectraCell micronutrient is my number one. Every single human should definitely run that. Um, and then I also like the GI map, the Dutch um, food sensitivities are one of the biggest game changers for people in their initial healing phase. Um, and so those are kind of like, the main ones that I work with.
1: Very cool. Yeah. So someone had asked, did she say spectra cell? She certainly did. Uh, another comment, the beef liver thing blew my mind. Thank you for that information. Yeah. And it just goes to show there's nothing. And, and this is why we bring on a variety of guests on this show. Nothing is ever so clear and set in stone. Maybe other than sleep, like you probably should be sleeping when it's dark. That'd be a good idea. And maybe you should be going outside when it's light. I, I think I could stand pretty good on that one. Uh, but everything else is is quite nuanced from food to water to the supplements, the lab tests. There's a time and place. Um, and what works 100% for someone might not work 100% for someone else. Like I thrive off the beef liver stuff. It makes sense yeah. for a variety of reasons. I won't mention today. And then, yeah, you're right. If We mentioned before, if you technically ate enough beef liver, you could get vitamin A toxicity, which is crazy. If would be like swelling of the brain. So don't worry. I promise you, none of you guys are eating enough beef liver to actually do that right now. But again, it's not as much as you'd think. When I looked it up before, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's possible. Like if I had no other food, I could maybe do that. So kind of crazy. Yeah. So we're talking about how to prepare Uh, for the pregnancy side, let's say, you know, babies here. And I've actually seen this a lot. And perhaps you have too. There is this very special thing that seems to happen with moms in particular, where they might be people that are not into the health thing before. And when they realize they're pregnant or they give birth and they are now officially a mom, they, a light bulb goes off. Um, Mm -hmm. I have this friend and she posts this publicly. So that's why I'm allowed to say it. Um, Her name's Kate. And she went from living a lifestyle where it was like fast food, stuff like that. It is one of the most impressive transformations I've ever seen. When that kid was born, it was, no, game over. I'm figuring this out. And she went from McDonald's one week to farmer's market, paleo-based diet, basically, the next week, mm-hmm. which is good for her. Not Maybe not for everyone, but good for her. Um, and has completely changed everything around. So let's say baby's here, or we know baby's coming. Now what can we do? Because there's so much controversy around the breastfeeding versus um you know, hey, should you store the milk or should you only do it when you can produce it? Like there's a lot of stuff there. so what are your tips for moms that are you know they just gave birth and now they have a baby that they want to keep as healthy as possible?
0: Um well, like I said, the mom is gonna pass on deficiencies and mm-hmm. the mom is gonna pass on overload. So if you didn't do the micronutrient testing before, like preconception wise, which the beautiful thing is you can do it at any time preconception during pregnancy, postpartum at any point that is a safe test to do. And for the most part, it's very safe to supplement with amino acids and vitamins and minerals, as long as you know that they're not overloaded in the body. Um, so that is my go-to and one of my favorite things that also allows me, I can, I can take that data and I know exactly how much they need, like at what levels they need. And I will actually comp like do a custom compounded supplement that it's just a powder you can put in your coffee or your smoothie or in water or juice. Um, And so at least in my experience, obviously, I don't, this can't be advice for everybody listening right now, but I started supplementing with what I knew I was deficient in with my children and saw some major changes. So obviously it depends on the age of the baby. Um, They're not going to pop some supplements, you know, um, I think my daughter started swallowing supplements at like late age three. Mm. Um, so that's always really something to consider. Um, and, and I have essentially worked with them off of what my lab work showed. So I figured, okay, if I have this much copper in my body, um, and such little zinc, maybe they need some zinc too. And actually my son, um, I think, so as pregnancy goes on, you you have your first baby, everything's okay. Maybe you're dealing with some postpartum depression, anxiety. You have a second baby. Now, if you notice the, the postpartum depression, anxiety gets worse as you have more pregnancies, that is a very clear sign that there is some copper toxicity going on and your body is going to want to dump that. And they're going to dump it through the umbilical cord into your baby. So when I said that copper is used to make blood vessels in the body, my son was actually born with one of those hemangiomas and it was right on his back right where his liver is. And I was, once I found out this information, I was like, I caused this. I know I caused this. This is from way too much copper. It's getting into his liver. It's literally trying to get out of his liver, like through his back. <laughs> and once I started to supplement with the things that I knew I was deficient in, like B vitamins, zinc, it started to go away. And they're still, a, still a, there a little bit. Um, but he also severely struggled with eczema like bloody, itchy, terrible eczema. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I started to remove my food sensitivities from his diet. At this point, he was like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So it was like whey and peanuts were like the main ones. And I got rid of whey from his diet cause we were doing like smoothies and stuff and everything started to clear up. So he was getting more B vitamins because I was deficient in B vitamins, specifically biotin was just tanked for me in zinc and his eczema totally went away from treating him off of what I had found out about myself and my lab tests. So a lot of times I recommend to moms like you don't even need to run this stuff on your child. I, you know, a lot of times it's just like what's going on with you is probably also going on with your child just because. That's how the body works. Um, so that's always a good place to start is checking your micronutrients, making sure your baby there's you can get liquid B vitamins and stuff for for younger age children who can't swallow capsules. So um, I have found that that works very, very well.
1: Sure, get some more audience questions here and just comments too. Uh, so if I'm pregnant, I can do the micronutrient test, correct?
0: Yes, highly awesome. recommended to do that, and then and then customize your own prenatal instead of taking a generic off the shelf prenatal, which most don't even have enough of what we actually need, mm-hmm. or it's stuff that we don't need. Like a lot of prenatals do have copper, but did I need more copper? No, I did not need more copper. So would I consume that? No, let's not do that. Um, and plenty of people have very adequate levels of vitamin D, inadequate levels of B vitamins. And so it's completely customized to what people need. And for any of these things, having too much is still too much. Too much of a good thing is still too much of a good thing. So um, a lot of times I'll see people with very high B3 (laughs) and very high B1. But then, you know, they're like Googling and research and they're like, but my symptoms say it's probably a B1 deficiency. And it's like, well, do we want to chase symptoms? No, because that's what you've been doing your entire life. And now you're here still Googling everything without any actual data on your body and your cellular health. So it's hard to help anybody when you don't have any measurements or any data to go off of.
1: Bam. Love it. Um, my daughter started swallowing supplements at four. We did something similar as well. So just a comment, um, For those out there that might be having issues with this, of course, there's a a genuine age factor. Um, Sometimes, you know, I mean, a kid's small, the gag reflex might actually be the supplements are the same size, no matter how big or small you are, is kind of my Mm -hmm. point. Um, I had a huge problem taking pills and anything when I was a kid. And it was such a stupid tip, but I literally used it. And it uh, solved this for me. If you squeeze your left thumb, um, while taking a pill, it actually suppresses the gag reflex a little bit. And so, uh, nice little tip. It works super well. And it got me over like my fear of taking pills when I was a kid. Uh, can colic on babies be correlated to any issue the mom has?
0: I definitely think so. And, and that kind of comes back to our FDN training of, of not chasing symptoms. So what is standard for eczema or standard for colic I mean, I did all the standard stuff for my kid's eczema, and that wasn't what he needed. He needed a custom diet removal, and he needed a custom repletion plan. (laughs) So that is the same thing for any disease, any imbalances, anything that you want to label as a thing that you're experiencing can always go back to the health of the mother. Because you literally just made this baby from everything in your body. Like, there's there's nothing else besides what you have that made that. Um, so I, I definitely think they are correlated for sure.
1: Sure. Wow. The audience is loving you. This is great. Makes my job easy. Um, Nicole asked, what services do you use to do custom compounded prenatal supplements? I was actually wondering that as well.
0: Um, that's Bicon V Y K O N.
1: Very nice. Um, One other thing that I wanted to ask, and I had to look up colic. So it was predictable periods of significant distress in an otherwise well-fed, healthy baby. I'm learning something. uh, You guys can tell I'm not a dad, uh, but I'm learning something new every day on this show. It's very cool. One other thing I wanted to ask was kind of just about, you know, some... Some things that might get overlooked sometimes in functional medicine, right? Again, we can get fancy with stuff and there is a time for that. Uh, But I think a lot of the times, even in our groups, I hear debates about, hey, I can't breastfeed or I can't produce enough or whatever it might be. Um, I found some really interesting research a couple of years ago. It might have just been because it had come out at the time or maybe it was buried and I didn't know about it. But really fascinating stuff that shows breast milk actually has different hormones in it, depending on what time of day, um, it was pumped. Right. So all these people were out there thinking that they were doing the best thing in the world, uh, by breastfeeding, pumping it, storing it, and then giving it. But it's like, there's cortisol higher in it in the morning, just like a human being there's melatonin at night. So if you're pumping at night and then giving it to the baby throughout the morning, it's like, holy crap, like, God bless you. You're trying to do the right thing. And then still, um, we kind of get screwed up. So the lesson there is really just don't reinvent nature. Right. Let's say, you know, someone's just in a position Right now, um, for whatever reason, they can't produce uh, milk in the way that they want. Because I, I know that there's going to be someone that watches this or listens, that's probably multiple, um, that's dealing with that. Of course, we recognize the natural side and many things that you can improve your own health to do that. But today, they might need a solution. So, do you have any like insider recommendations here for like baby foods? And I, I go as far as to even say formulas that aren't breast milk that are FDN approved somehow, because I have never seen anything remotely uh, good on the market. So, I'm curious.
0: Yes, that is something I, I never explored. We didn't okay. use formula. I actually had an oversupply problem. And no matter what's going on in that realm, I, I always recommend hiring an expert. Obviously, okay. I'm I'm not an expert in everything. Um, and I, I honestly, I hired a lactation consultant on day two after I had my daughter, just because I had never done this before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, you know, my family hasn't communicated to me. They didn't do this. Like I'm alone. So I needed to hire, um, an expert and that just taught me so much. So as we, in FDN, we can look at people's lab work and how everybody is different. I think that same thing comes back down to, you know, a mother who is breastfeeding. Um, you know, there is all kinds of things that, could impede that, Um, which again comes back to just being very um, preventative. Like, did you run your hormones before you got pregnant? Do you have any idea how balanced they were before? Because that's going to be kind of indicative of how balanced they might be afterwards. Um, Have you run a micronutrient panel? Like if you are depleted, like I said, if your cells are not working, how are your cells going to tell your your the tissue the your organs your your breasts to make breast milk mm-hmm. you know um if you're if your cortisol isn't which as a new mom you know sleeping that's wacky anyway but if all of those things are not balanced and you're not you have no clue what's going on with them i mean it's it's hard for me to have any clue what's going on too but yeah. if we know that you're depleted in something then that at least gives us um A way to start making those changes. Like maybe you just need more zinc, maybe you just need more B vitamins. Um, maybe you need some cell membrane support. Maybe you have enough of these nutrients, but they're just not transferring into the cells to do their job. So, and that's all something that we can look on on that spectra cell um, is the cell membrane health. So that again, it just kind of goes back to those foundations. If if you don't have the foundations in place, you can't expect your body to heal. You can't expect your body to be balanced. You can't expect your brain to work well. Um, especially in those seasons where it's literally the hardest thing in my life. I've owned several businesses, brick and mortar businesses, and like parenting is harder than any of those. So, um, just having the knowledge, having that data, it just gives you so much more peace of mind knowing that like, Oh, hey, I can do something about it. Or, hey, it's not just me. It's not just because my boobs are broken, you know, yeah. that I can't produce breast milk or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: great. And then I, one more quick thing on that, only because I'm, I understand that that might not even be your particular area of expertise. So, this is not medical advice that we're saying here. None of it's medical advice, actually. Uh, just a quick opinion type of thing. I'm always wondering. So let's say I can, you know, successfully breastfeed, assuming I'm a woman. Um and I could do that. Like do you think people are bailing out of that too early? So this is just a personal opinion because you know, I hear some stories of people breastfeeding like way longer than Western medicine recommends. And then I kind of think of it practically because I'm I'm always doing my best to live in alignment with nature or make those recommendations that are in alignment with nature. And I'm like, yeah, like, well, what the hell's a five month old supposed to do other than rely on mom? Um, -hmm. and no one wants to hear this from the 28 year old guy. So I'm just curious what your opinion is. Do you think people that do breastfeed, do they bail out too early? Um, like how long do you think people should stick with this?
0: Um, I would say, uh, I mean, the World Health Organization, which I think for the most part we can take with a grain of salt, but, you know, they recommend two years. So that's kind of a big deal for them to recommend two years. And I think that's kind of the general consensus. Um, but again, that's just, it's, it's the hardest thing ever to Mm -hmm. do all this and to run your business or go back to work or pump and do all this stuff. So really, I think it comes down to like, what is the stress of the mother it, does she have support? Cause if she doesn't, like, I'm, I'm not going to blame you or, you know, shame you for not continuing past whatever your, your goal was, because it's literally the hardest thing in the world sometimes. Um, so, but yeah, I think that that spectrum, it just, there is a spectrum of people who, who don't and people who go longer. I, I talked to someone who had, <clears throat> uh, she, she was breastfed by her mother for six years And she had the most perfect teeth ever, never had braces. Like, so, and and that's something I've gone deep on my Instagram is like dental malocclusion and how that relates to depression and anxiety and all kinds of other sleep disorders. Um, so there's a lot of factors to it. And again, just having a foundation from the beginning, like knowing your numbers, knowing the data, um, can really help you make more educated decisions, like managing your stress if you manage your stress a little bit better as a, as a new mom, like it'll be easier to breastfeed longer term. Um, but that again comes from how much support do you have? Um, you know, do you have extra money to do these types of tests, which is always a big, um, problem for a lot of people, but it just comes back down to like investing in yourself and investing in that preventative care. Um, but yeah, I would say the longer, the better, um, from what I've seen, but <clears throat> even if it's a short amount of time, I mean, just even if you do it for a week and the baby's getting the colostrum and then they're sealing that gut lining just from the colostrum. And then you go to formula, like, okay, that's mm-hmm. fine. Like you did the best you could. Um, I do know that there are formulas out of like Germany, um, in Holland that are cleaner mm-hmm. and don't have the soy proteins and the stuff that can actually mess with hormones. Um, so if that was something I did, that's what I would look into is finding one that is not from America um, and getting that imported in from Europe, just because they do have a higher set of standards when it yeah. comes to everything, personal care products, supplements, childcare, care, et cetera
1: great tips thank you and just great insight it's not you know if you can't do the two years which many people can't it's not that we're trying to be hard on ourselves it's just let's figure out a standard a standard to work for right because if you don't know of course you're going to want to do it probably for as little as possible it's it's sometimes amazing to me I, i oftentimes thinking like wow it's like how can we get so sick as a society and then the flip end of that i'm like it is amazing that even with western medicine we can survive doing the crap that we're doing i'm like you're right like we're putting like soy protein in the damn formula. The baby like gets pulled out under artificial lights. Like we Mm -hmm. inject it with a bunch of stuff and that's not an anti, you know what thing I'm on YouTube. So I got to be careful what I say. Um, But it's just, obviously that's a traumatic experience. They're getting exposed to many diseases right at once. Like that's a real thing that happens. Um, If you're a male, you know, a good percentage of us are, Getting a, a little snip there—that's quite traumatic. I will promise you that. I don't remember it, but I'm guessing I was pretty scared. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on for a baby, and yet somehow we're still surviving. It's—it's it's actually yeah. more amazing that we can get through all this. So if we can even yeah. just do 50% of it, 25% of it, you're already so much better off than most people, guys. Um, <laughs> rapid fire question for you, real quick, from the audience, and then we'll uh, finish up here with some client testimonial stuff. Uh, Karen said this might be off topic. I, I don't think this was. Uh, but any recommendations for helping babies sleep better?
0: I I think it comes to, so my first child, I nursed her to sleep. I did the whole co-sleeping thing. I thought I would be a terrible mother if I put her in the crib. She's a terrible sleeper. Do not recommend. Like still to this day, she's almost six, still wakes up all the time. She doesn't get a full, you know, she's not getting a full REM cycle because Mm -hmm. she's so used to, oh, I'm supposed to nurse, like it's literally ingrained in her brain from infancy. And then we did a little differently with my second kid, I still kind of co slept with him and nursed him to sleep sometimes. But earlier on, we established um, more healthier routines with like, light in circadian health and making sure he felt comfortable. He knew this was his room. This was his safe place. Um, this is where you go to heal. And I have seen the biggest difference in my children from a not a good sleeper to a really good sleeper in their health. Because if we are not getting good sleep, this goes for babies and for moms and for all people, if we're not getting enough sleep, our bodies aren't detoxing. Our brains are not growing and we're going to get sick. Because it's literally like, that's what they do when you're a prisoner of war. You know, they make you not sleep because it messes with you. It's literally like psychological warfare. (laughs) And the same goes for babies. So it's really, really tough because so many moms, especially as a first time mom, you're like, oh, I can't even imagine putting them in their crib and them doing that. But it is the biggest game changer. So finding a middle ground that works for your family, that's not fully cry it out leave them alone forever to figure it out themselves and not the other end of the spectrum which is just like coddle them and nurse them constantly because then they're they're not going to be comfortable ever sleeping alone or you know then they're scared to nap and like who wants their baby to be scared to nap like um so um establishing that really early on Um, I did a couple different courses to learn how do, does a baby sleep, um, the taking care of babies course. And then for an older child, anyone above three, which I did with my older child, there's one called, um, it's like sleep without a fight. I want to say something along those lines. Um, and now she is a little bit better of a sleeper. Um, some other random things is making sure the bed is pointed in an East to West direction. Hmm. I have experienced experimented with this of, um, uh, my daughter's bed being North to South, which is the opposite of how the sun is rising, right? You're not, that's not a normal, it's just not, I don't know. That's something that a lot of, uh, I learned from a friend who's an Islander and has a lot of ancestral wisdom that's passed down. And she's like, well, why is her bed North to South? And I'm like, I don't know. I never thought about it. So she started sleeping way better once we changed her bed from East to West. And she was rising with the sun. Um, and, and going to bed where the sun is setting. Love so that. that's kind of a really random one that's really easy to implement. Um, but again, just taking advice from the people who have what you want to have. Are you taking advice from people who are up all night with their child and their child's sick all the time and they're not happy and they're anxious and they're not napping well and they're exhausted? Like, is that what you want? Do you want to take the advice to co-sleep and nurse them to bed when... The mom isn't even happy with those decisions. And a lot of time people lie on social media. I have so many messages who are like, I'm so tired of this. Help me. How did you get your baby to sleep for two and a two and a half hour nap? Like that's never happened. And it's like, well, yeah, we were all listening to people who were essentially lying on the internet saying it's so great. I love it. And like, I did not love it. I want my baby to nap on their own because they're healthier when yep. they do i'm healthier when they do we're all healthier because sleep is a foundation and that is a foundation for an infant as well they have to learn from you um so those are
1: a couple two bits. I, I really appreciate that you brought up the light side of this. And uh, Karen, to go back to your question, I mean, one of my favorite topics within this umbrella of functional medicine is circadian biology. That's how I learned about the, uh, the breast milk producing different things at different times, which is one of those things when you hear it, you're like, duh, but I never would have thought about that otherwise. Mm-hmm. And what people need to realize is kids are even more sensitive to light than adults. And we know a small amount of artificial blue light at night increases risks of depression, uh, prostate cancer, breast cancer. It's all stuff that is documented all stuff that's proven you can look it up uh one of the craziest ones has nothing to do with light but it has to do with the electromagnetic spectrum there I think it's like 40 to 60 Hertz which by the way if you have a Wi-fi router TV whatever it might be your kids getting this every night um yeah. there was a meta-analysis done showing that that decreased melatonin secretion in both mammal uh, sorry animals and um human beings so yeah. it's like you don't want to go too neurotic about it but like at the very least turn the damn lights off for the kid and don't let them sleep next to the router or a TV. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Nowadays we got these monitors, which again, God bless the mothers and parents out there. They're trying to do the right thing by protecting the baby, but I don't think a baby was ever supposed to be sleeping next to this thing, sending out signals um, and probably has a light right on it. So all things to consider. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're going a little over time. I don't care. People are loving this. We'll wrap it up here. That was my point. Uh, but take your time with this answer. I, I have to ask, you are such a wealth of knowledge here. You've obviously helped a lot of people. I would love to know to the degree that you're able to share, are there any client testimonials that come to you from like, co- come off the top of your head as being like particularly special? Maybe someone was having a ton of trouble conceiving or they're having a ton of trouble uh, with their son or daughter once they're born. And by working with you, they were able to get a lot of help.
0: Um, well, hmm, let's see, which one's my favorite? Um. One of the, since we're talking about babies, I'll kind of keep on that topic. Um. And there's one lady, she had uh, no problem getting pregnant with her first, started to like, tried for so long to get pregnant with her second and was doing, she had done four HTMAs with another practitioner. They said it was fine. And I'm like, okay, we got to go a little bit deeper. And we did the micronutrients. We did the Dutch. We did the GI map and her estrogen was, um, she was aromatizing way too much. And she was um, having most of it go down that 4-OH pathway, which can damage your DNA and eventually cause cancer. And that eventually led us, she's been doing some liver and gallbladder flushing and getting rid of the gallstones and getting rid of the infections. And um, that one has, that one is just so eye-opening because we can do all the standard stuff that everybody's recommending on Instagram and stuff, but she didn't need the inositol. She didn't need more progesterone. She didn't need the standard stuff that's recommended. She needed a completely custom, um, blend and we're still working with her. Cause I, I don't want any, I try to tell people do not get pregnant while you're detoxing, like mm-hmm. let's finish this. And then you can go into getting pregnant. Um, and I think that was one of the most eye-opening cases, especially for her because she was depleted in glutathione. So if you don't have enough glutathione, you're not going to process your estrogen out of that 4OH pathway. You're not going to methylate correctly. Your liver's not going to work. Of course, you have hundreds and thousands of gallstones because, yeah, you're missing one of these main micronutrients. So that's, that's why it always comes back down to the micronutrients and why that's my absolute favorite one um, is because that one answers all the questions that you have. Why aren't you getting pregnant? Well, look, you're she had 14 different deficiencies. Do you think your body wants to get pregnant? Can it get pregnant? With 14 major deficiencies, no, absolutely not. Your organs can't function. Your uterus is not going to want to hold on to a baby. Even though you have enough progesterone, your cells aren't working. So your organs can't work if your cells aren't working. So um, that's probably one of my most recent favorite um, postpartum analysis that I've done.
1: Amazing. So if people want to find you and maybe they want to be one of those stories, where can they find you?
0: Um, on my website is lifelabwellnessco.com. Um, and from there I have a free video that I make every single interested person watch just so I don't have to answer a thousand of the same questions over and over again. It explains all of the FDN methodologies. It explains, um, exactly where to start and, and the blueprint really to, move forward to get well and stay well for good. Um, So you can write on the front page of that website, lifelabwellnessco.com. You can go watch that free video.
1: Awesome. And then I know we've been talking specifically, mostly about babies today, but this last question here can be more general. It's a signature question on the show. So my question for you to finish this all up is if we gave you a magic wand and you could now wave it and you get every single one of us to do or stop doing one thing for our health, it could be either or, what is the one thing that you get us to do?
0: Hmm. I mean, I would make everybody check their micronutrients and get on a custom multivitamin. Mm -hmm. That is... The number one thing to start with, no matter if you need a detox parasites, you still got to do your micronutrients. If you need neurotransmitter support, don't go, don't go buy a neurotransmitter test until you've dialed in your micronutrients. So, um, and I would say just to stop following the random information that's on the internet. <laughs> that's how I got so sick with the beef liver is because someone said, oh, well, prenatals aren't great anymore. And I'm like, maybe they're right maybe they're right and it wasn't it wasn't right at all <laughs> so sometimes i always recommend like if you're overwhelmed by you're taking all this stuff and you're changing your diet and you're doing elimination things like just stop it all stop all your supplements and see what it feels like to not be striving for the next thing because like i said in the beginning maybe you need less of things you need less gallstones you need less infections you need less overloads of things like copper and vitamin A, like maybe we're just getting too much and maybe we're causing our own problems, which is happening the majority of the time. Right. Um, so.
1: If you guys are on right now, we got 20 something people still on. If you appreciated this today, I mean, you just threw down. It was amazing. Can you guys just drop like a thank you or something in the comments? We appreciate you guys being on, but um, we appreciate this guest even more because this was absolutely amazing. Uh, Karen said, do you have an Instagram? Yes, she certainly does. We put that on the uh, screen right here, and then we will have that in the show notes on the audio side as well if you're listening there. So um, someone said awesome info. Yeah, just thank you so much for coming on today. I think... i I think you're seeing all those thank yous in the comments Mm -hmm. um excellent having you on i think the audience just basically demanded through viewership that we might have to do this topic again so we appreciate your time and just helping so many people today
0: yeah absolutely thank you so much for letting me speak on it and we can definitely go deeper on the copper topic and all of (laughs) this Um, there's a lot to be shared for sure